Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. We're marriage counselors, and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. Greg, today we're going to talk about conflict and the patterns that we find ourselves in. Yeah, and it's so important to recognize as a couple our unique kind of conflict pattern, because I know, Erin, as you work with couples in your private practice as a licensed counselor, you see this all the time. So maybe mm-hmm. run through what are some of the most common conflict patterns that couples fall into? Mm-hmm. Well, the first one, pursuer distancer, is the most common. It is the most common stance within a marriage relationship. One person consistently pursues while the other person consistently withdraws. There's also the pattern of both people withdrawing, kind of a flight-flight response. And then there's also when both individuals are leaning in, moving forward, and it's a fight-fight stance. It's interesting because I think we used to be a fight-fight, but now we are definitely pursuer-distancer. I know. I'm always pursuing us to work through conflict. You tend to distance. Why is my stomach hurting right now? (laughs) (laughs) It's not feeling very well hearing that because I am definitely the pursuer, and I definitely come towards and follow you around or say, hey, we have something we need to talk about, or hey, can we talk about that? Because my role within the relationship has been to pursue, because and I, I often will think, why do I do that? Because I want peace. I want yeah. connection. I want deep connection. Yeah. And I typically distance or withdraw, um, you know, oftentimes just out of a discomfort with conflict, I mean, we like you said, we started off being a fight fight couple, and those <laughs> were not safe for either no. one of us. No, and and I, it's easy for me to kind of get triggered into this notion of oh, here we go, conflict, it's never going to work. We're not going to be able to do it well. We're going to be, you know, upset with each other. And so it's easy for me to kind of withdraw. Then mm-hmm. thinking somehow that's going to help. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Never but, helps. But it's helpful for me to recognize that when you're withdrawing, you're also fighting for the relationship. It just looks very different. I pursue because I am like, we got to talk about this to make it better versus for you, you retreat because it keeps the peace and at least we're not fighting. Yeah. So it's it's also super helpful to be able to see and understand why is your spouse doing what they're doing. Yeah. And we would just encourage you guys to have that sort of conversation, make it safe. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't try in the midst of an argument to actually talk about the argument. <laughs> Up here withdrawing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do you do that? But but honestly, I mean, go on a little walk together and just say, what what, what are we? Are we the pursuer, the distancer? Are we the, the withdraw, withdraw, the fight, fight? And, and kind of why is that? What did we learn growing mm-hmm. up? You know, what did we watch our parents do, our family of origin? What, what, what did we observe and learn about conflict? Well, not only our family of origin, but what, did, what have we learned over 31 years of marriage within our relationship? You know, what works, what doesn't, what we've trained each other to know is safe or not safe. And, you know, fight, fight didn't work and it wasn't safe for either one of us. Yeah. And in, in make it a starting place just to notice, observe your own conflict style, because that's really what we're going to focus on 
on this episode is is how to work through and and repair you know manage conflicts well and we've got some great segments coming up later on Aaron and I are going to break down what we call a reactive cycle and give some practical tips on how to get out of that we'll hear a question from one of our listeners who wants to know how can she stop avoiding conflict and enjoy spending time with her spouse again. But first, we had a great conversation with our friends Chad and Angela Imhoff about understanding why we react in conflict. They're certified counselors with some great practical tips. So let's listen to the conversation we had with Chad and Angela. So Chad and Angela, we're just thrilled to be here with you today. After sitting under your teaching for a weekend, we were so blessed. And we are super excited just to jump in talking about one of our favorite things, marriage. I think all four of us are on the same page there. So where we want to start is, Angela, if you could talk to us about the importance of reflecting on past arguments or maybe ongoing arguments. Why is it important to revisit those? You know, I think that if we can say, I can stop an argument mid-track and we don't even have an argument, I mean, that would be ideal, but I don't know very many couples, even those of us who possibly try that on a regular basis, who can do that, which means most of us are left in a position where we have to come back and do a good repair. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes you'll see a couple who just pretends it didn't happen or maybe even doesn't pretend but tries to take the high road or let's not talk about it since there was conflict. Mm. And what that does is it leaves like residue is a word I like to use, or it leaves resentment that can build. You know, if we're talking spiritually, it leaves an opportunity for the enemy to, to give us unhealthy narratives about our partner So going back to a conflict or going back to something that we didn't get right gives us a chance to say, hey, we were misaligned back there, and I care about you, and I work better with you aligned. Can we reflect and say what went wrong to make sure, A, that our hearts are still aligned and in a good place, but also doing that consistently gives my body a chance to know the next time we're in conflict, we'll be able to repair it, and also... I don't have residue from like seven of our last conflicts that is now informing this conflict, which is making it worse. So that's a lot of reasons that I would say. Which is really it's so good in speaking of revisiting. So Chad, tell us about you had, I remember this story because you told it in the, the weekend marriage event that Aaron and I attended and listened to you guys. But I know that there was a, a big playground project that you had going on in your backyard that didn't go so well. So tell us about that. And then what did you learn from that? Well, it, it was it was great. Um, we had this playground that we wanted to put um, in the backyard. And Angela and I are both um, pretty um, idealistic. We have ways that we want things to go. And so <laughs> Angela and I are having a discussion about how we want this built, where we want it exactly. And I have this tendency to be more of the analytical kind of engineer sometimes. And she has this tendency to be more of like the vision uh, person in our relationship. So she had a vision and I had an engineering idea and, uh, and we dove into this. And eventually what I did was I just said, hey, I'm just going to make the thing as solid as I can and make it work. 
And so I ended up building uh, out the play play structure, basically, um, and we built it from scratch. So it was a lot of moving parts and pieces, and mm-hmm. I ended up building the thing out, and, and we had to really come back and go, wait, we got, we got off. She had a vision, and I, I think we landed on that vision eventually um, together, but we really had to go back and go, wait a minute, why are we in conflict over something that we both want to be good and beneficial for our kid um, and, and something we both want to do, but we ended up in this kind of conflictual place about it. So we really went back to that and just said, what happened for you? What happened for me? How do, mm. how do we get lost in this process? So, Chad, would you say your demon dialogue took off at all in that in that experience? <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of demon dialogue, we so Angela had had a lot of uh, points of input, and I had a lot of input that I was keeping internal in my head. That <laughs> well, never happens. I like that he's saying she had a lot of points of input. Like that was a polite way to say she had a really clear idea about how she wanted it to go. Well, Angela explained what is demon dialogue. There's a tendency or a pattern based on past experiences Mm. that try to help us get this distress cleared up or get this conflict resolved quickly. And usually one side will escalate or say, I need to increase urgency around this, or I need my partner to understand this the way I see it. And the other partner will go, wow, there's a lot of urgency to this, maybe more than it requires. I need to back up and give this some space, and those work against each other. So there's this interactional pattern of one person kind of increasing energy and Mm -hmm. the other decreasing energy, and the messages that they send in that are missing a connection, which then get us in what we want to call a cycle, Mm. where I'm now adding even more energy, and Chad, his tendency, is adding even less energy. And and in this particular instance, which is such a beautiful example of having to have a clear awareness, we're in the backyard. I don't operate power tools well, even though I'd like to think I do. And <laughs> I'm I, with you. <laughs> I, need, <laughs> I, I need him, and I am mad about needing him, although God designed it that way. And so as he's withdrawing, I start to panic because I need this. In order for this to happen, I need him. And he's backing up, and here I come in with this energy, and finally I just am deflated. Like, we can't overcome this. Mm, And then thus the cycle takes off. And the cycle, we're in full cycle, and now we're either in conflict where we're, we're frustrated with each other, or now the project isn't going to get completed efficiently. Now we're, you know, most people might use the word, we're in a fight. I go inside, probably close the door harder than I need to. <laughs> he chases me in the house. <laughs> and now we have to reflect and go back. And, and Chad's right. He came in and said, what went wrong? Mm-hmm. And it starts out usually escalated. Like, you did this, and it's others' focus. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't usually help. In, in in Chad, right? Because what you guys are talking about the cycle, it's it's really the cycle happens because we get our buttons, we get something gets triggered. Talk about how important that is in, in understanding the cycle to really understand each other's triggers. Mm. Yeah, I I'll, I'll jump in on that. You know, as somebody who tends to shut down and go internal, a lot of times I don't pay attention to my body's experience. I know that. 
sounds kind of funny to think about what is my body doing, but, but I need to be aware of my body in the sense that like I get triggered by something and my gut responds to that. And it really takes me to a place where I go to my head and I kind of disengage. And, and that can look like there's nothing happening for me, especially to Angela in the moment of conflict or distress. But when I get triggered, so to speak, so I feel that thing in my gut, then my body's saying, uh-oh, we're in trouble. So I'm experiencing an emotion in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, and I need to have the right answer. So I'm thinking about my meanings. And then I, then I tend to pull back a little bit. And so that's a really fast run through of what my body does in moments of distress or um, it's an appraisal mm-hmm. theory is what we're talking about a little bit, um, which is developed by Magda Arnold. But really, I'm just thinking about it in terms of uh, a little acronym called TEMP. So I get triggered by something. I feel something in my body, in my gut. That emotion kind of shows up, I believe, or think something. Mm-hmm. And then I, then I do something. And, and I don't question any of that generally. It just kind of this process plays out in front of me or internally. And then I, all Angela sees or knows that's happening is I'm shutting down and going to my head. In in you so go, go back because we love your your story of the of the playground equipment that yeah. that that eventually got built. It sounds like, but how how yeah. would as you go back and play that out? How would you use that 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 acronym temp in that situation if you could go replay that conflict? If I'm going through that conflict, I have to first be aware of myself. Mm-hmm. So I have to know I'm triggered, mm-hmm. which most. Most of the time, I would not even examine that. But knowing that I have some sort of internal process happening to me, so that gut drop, Mm -hmm. I'm standing there, I'm saying, this is how I want to attach a part of the playground to another part of the playground. And and Angela has a very different vision for that uh, (laughs) and how we're going to set that up. (laughs) And she's more than willing to say, hey, no, do this, um, or, or maybe look at it this way. And she, she kind of brings a tone with her that, that it, right or wrong, I, I perceive to mean something. So my gut kind of has a response to that. So I'm triggered by that. Now, if I don't tell Angela, ooh, something's happening for me, she doesn't know. I'm really good at hiding that part of myself or, or kind of keeping my poker face on, so to speak. So she says something, she presents something, and, and I, my body has a response to it. And then I go to my head, and I don't necessarily let her into that process. Mm. Am I making sense with that? Totally, totally. And what you're really describing is your part of the cycle, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So how, why is it important for couples to really talk about their cycle, and how do they practically do that, Angela? Um, why is it important to identify this cycle? Well, I think if I'm on the other side of what's happening for Chad, that's mm-hmm. a great place for me to kind of explain it. So I'm there underneath this structure that we're trying to level and balance. And I'm, as he says it, he says it in a kind way. He's being kind to me, which he is, by the way. <laughs> we saw that. He, <laughs> yeah. He says, like, she ha- she's okay to tell me that she wants it done a different way with the tone. No, at this point, I'm probably yelling underneath, like, what are you doing up there? <laughs> and so he, I don't get a response. Mm. And, and my body starts to panic. So my first little thought is, because oftentimes if you're my role in this cycle, which is the one who kind of adds urgency and energy, we have a lot of hope. And, and I think, well, maybe he just didn't hear me. Mm. Maybe I need to say it louder. Maybe I need mm-hmm. to be more assertive. And so here it comes a second time, which then really sends him that mixed message or that meaning that I am in trouble now. She is clearly mad at me because now she's 
more assertive, more aggressive, saying it again, repeating herself, which can sound (laughs) condescending. And so now we're completely missing each other on a project we're trying to collaborate on, which Mm -hmm. is then the worst because we tend to do projects well together and this is where we, we have fun and we want to enjoy each other and now it's a fight and I'm going in the house. So the reason why it's important is because our intent is to enjoy each other in the process, and now one misinteraction, one misunderstanding has us both in this really distressed cycle back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Now all the power tools have been <laughs> thrown in the yard and nobody's doing any project. <laughs> Well, Aaron, I so appreciate the Imhoffs, their their vulnerability to honestly talk about their conflict. I love it when couples are willing to go, okay, hey, let's be honest. Here's what's really going on for us. And I, I'm just drawn to that. And a part of what they were talking about is, you know, why, the why behind why we react. Yeah, and that's I that's what I so love about them is that they're not just, yes, we have conflict. Of course we do. They also have done the work to really understand why and what they're doing. And it's so helpful to talk to a couple that has taken the time to really dig in and ultimately to lead them to do it differently the majority of the time. Sometimes it doesn't go well, as they talked about, but they know why on the flip side, why they've done what they've done. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that because we often encourage that. I mean, if you've heard other episodes of our podcast, you you know that usually when we're answering a question, we always start with what is going on for you. So, Aaron, maybe over the years, let's just both talk about what have we learned about why we react, why we react the way that we do in the midst of conflict? Mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, we have to figure out what's getting triggered and miss conflict. And, you know, even the other day, we arrived home from a trip and uh, I just could sense something was going on. And I brought something up and our 16-year-old consistently takes a stance when I bring this conversation up and gets defensive. Well, I then do what I usually do, and that's I criticize. And so I start criticizing, and you're watching going, why are you being so critical? And I'm like, I have no idea. Why am I doing this? Well, I was able to step back and just get the insight into I feel so invalidated. So the button sort of that got triggered for you was you felt invalidated. Very invalidated. And thus, my heart closes, and I begin to criticize, and I don't yeah, necessarily... Where did that come from for you? Like, as you've done therapy around it, as uh-huh. you've thought about mm-hmm. it, prayed about it, the invalidation kind of button comes from where? Yeah. Well, I would say growing up, there wasn't a lot of room for emotion other than anger. Mm. And so whatever I... And I felt deeply... I am a deep, deep feeler, and I was a deep feeler as a child, too. And so there wasn't a lot of room or anyone really there going, oh, it sounds like you feel, you know, unimportant or rejected or invalidated. And so thus, I brought that. that. Yeah, Yeah, I brought that into our marriage. And of course, as we've talked about, 
you often are defensive, which is completely invalidating then of what I'm bringing up or what I'm presenting. Yeah. So I think the combination of the present and the past, that that became a big old button. Yeah, because it's often, as, as we're looking for awareness and insight around the why, why do we react? Why do we get into these conflicts? You know, what's behind the button that gets triggered for us? You know, for me, it's it's easy to notice what I do. So the reaction, so like Aaron, you were saying, I get defensive, mm-hmm. which is true. I mean, that's my go-to. I I'm, I'm defending, but beneath Aaron, to use your words, the the water line. So as I think about as an iceberg, if the defensiveness is the tip of the iceberg, what we see underneath, um, there there's there's probably multiple things going on. But one thing that I've been learning lately is that. That growing up often felt invisible, mm-hmm. and there's no blame there on parents and all that. I mean, it's just it is yeah, what it is. Yeah. But for me, often I felt invisible, and mm-hmm. so many times within our conflict, even like the one you were talking about, like we come home from this trip, and you're sharing some feelings and things, and and I'm instantly going, oh well, she's not seeing me, she's missing it, or I'm being misportrayed, or something. There's an mm-hmm. invisible peace for me that's getting triggered. Mm-hmm. Not your fault. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that's what's going on for me. So then I become defensive. In in th- this is such a huge step in this whole process. Mm-hmm. Like here in a little bit, we're going to talk about this thing we call the reactive cycle and what it is and, mm-hmm. and how do we mm-hmm. do that differently. But I'm telling you, one of the best things that we can do to prepare to even talk about the reactive cycle is to really understand what are our big buttons, because that's why we react. Those buttons of ours, those emotions, those things like feeling invalidated, feeling invisible, that's the stuff that gets triggered Mm -hmm. and stirred up. Well, and it's helpful then because stepping away from the cycle, you have insight into what is going on and healing is possible as far as going after those tender those tenderized emotions, and then we can choose to do something different. Like, I don't have to be critical, which I will say that has decreased enormously, mm, and you don't have to be defensive. because Although you it hasn't decreased. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, we were saying you're not as critical, and I'm trying to say that I'm still just as defensive. Yes. So I need help. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> So, Aaron, we kind of teased in the last segment this idea of the reactive cycle, and we kind of jumped in to go, okay, the reactive cycle begins because our buttons get pushed. And so we kind of spent some time really going, okay, what's behind all that? You know, maybe it's family of origin, maybe some wounds. There's reasons why these particular emotions have become so sensitive. So let's let's explain then the reactive cycle and the different components that create this ongoing cycle of conflict within our marriage. Yeah, and we talked about previously, you know, that we get, we have all have these emotional buttons, these sensitized emotions for whatever reason they're sensitized, they're tender. It's like we have a bruise. And so when our spouse pushes them, they don't create them, they push them. And it's not that we do that on purpose even. No, maybe, but no, you most will of push it, my buttons. Yeah. You're very good at it. (laughs) (laughs) Had a lot of practice. (laughs) Yes. No, but we we all push our spouse's buttons because of the level of intimacy in the marriage. 
And, you know, really, these emotional buttons, sensitized emotions, they are fears. You could insert the word fear in front of any one of the the emotional words. So fear of being invisible, fear of being invalidated, and that fear drives a whole lot. And so when they get triggered, when you tap them, which you will and you do, our hearts shut down. And when our heart shuts down, we are no longer safe relationally. We're not thinking clearly. We're in fight or flight. And then we head into a reaction to make the feeling stop Mm -hmm. because we don't want to feel invisible or invalidated or rejected or failed or not good enough. Whatever it is, whatever the emotion is, we don't want to feel that. So we do something in an attempt to make that feeling go away. Yeah. And we've probably told this story before, but it just shows you that we all bring these tender buttons, these, you know, these emotions into our marriage. You know, we'd been only married just a few weeks. And remember you asked me, you were just laying there and and all of a sudden you go, hey, how do you think I'm doing as a wife? Mm And in in thinking back, right, you mm-hmm. were really wanting what in that moment for I me? I wanted affirmation because yeah. I was fearing that I wasn't good enough. Yeah. And that was something I walked right into our relationship. So I did ask. Yeah. I asked you. Wanted you wanted validation. Right? Yes, I yeah. did want validation. And I wanted to know I was enough. And so I asked a simple, straightforward question. Um, hey, we've been married for two weeks now. How am I doing as a wife? Yeah. And, and I wasn't understanding. I wasn't savvy enough. Now, 31 years later, now I understand what was really going on, but mm-hmm. I wasn't savvy enough to almost go, hey, before I answer that, tell me about what's going on. Are you feeling nervous? Are you feeling insecure? Mm-hmm. You know, it's we've been married two weeks. Are you asking this for any reason? Mm-hmm. Which you were saying, yeah, I was, I was insecure. Yeah. And I don't know that I knew right. why I was right. asking it. I just was. Right. And so I wouldn't expect that you would have known, but it did create quite a disaster. Yeah. Because I, again, I just thought it was this kind of strange related in bed. You asked this question, how am I doing as a wife? And so I just, you know, I said, fine. And, uh, that that must have triggered you mm-hmm. a little bit more, so probably invalidated mm-hmm. you. And so then I think you, yeah. Then you asked me to even to to rank zero to ten, mm-hmm. which is so funny because that's <laughs> so random. I have, well, in, I was working as a labor and delivery nurse, and I asked ladies when they came in and labor zero to ten, how bad is your pain? For whatever reason, I decided that would be a good rating scale to use in this scenario because you said fine I was like what does he really feel you know is fine good is fine bad and so zero to ten how am I doing as a wife and you came back with a lovely number of nine point (laughs) three and of course today I'm like nine point three would be awesome but back then I was one of those academic students 98% and above was passing and so a 9.8 would have been acceptable. <laughs> it's just funny, again, thinking back <laughs> 31 word. years ago, uh-huh. just that discussion. Because, again, I, I, I had no clue that all of a sudden now we were in the, the reactive cycle. Because, you know, when I said a 9.3, which, again, you said you were <laughs> a hot, you know, you, were, you got great grades. Well, I was a C student. Yeah. And so anything above a 5, you know, a 0.0, 
is improvement for me, and that would have been a great thing. In but for you, that was really failing. Mm-hmm. Again, we knew none of this, right? And so you, all I remember is that I rated you that, thinking now we can get out of this conversation, mm-hmm. and then you start to cry, mm-hmm. which totally pushed my button. I felt like a failure. I felt like I'd made a mistake. Mm-hmm. So the moment you start crying and, you know, why would you say that? Like, that's terrible. And I'm thinking that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm defending. So remember, we're saying mm-hmm. that our buttons get pushed. So you probably felt you were already wondering if you weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. And so now I rated you in such a way that now it's confirmation that you're not doing a good job. In your mind, a 9.8 would have been the only acceptable response. Mm -hmm. And so now I can see that. I think I've done something wrong. I'm feeling like a failure. My heart shuts down. So then I just simply react, which Mm -hmm. is I start to defend my number and I'm explaining. Mm -hmm. It's kind of that invisible piece also gets pushed in there because I'm like, well, you're just, you're missing my heart. You're missing Mm -hmm. what I meant. I didn't mean that the way you took it. Yeah. And that doesn't work at all because it gets us stuck in this cycle that when my buttons get pushed, my heart closes, I react. Well, it taps right into your buttons, your heart closes and you react. And thus we are off to the races. And so many times couples will come in and they say, gosh, we just have this pattern and it's crazy and it drives us nuts. And we camp out there so often and it's called the reactive cycle. And that is exactly what happened when I asked you that question. And I think it ended when you were so frustrated because I I just dug in. Because again, Mm -hmm. it's all reacting. I dug in, I doubled down on my, you know, 9.3, and I'm explaining that Jesus is the only perfect 10, (laughs) which is true. (laughs) But, you know, so you can't be a 10, so you're 9 point something. And, you know, it just, it got ridiculous, but it's it's just the reactive cycle. I think you got so frustrated, remember, that you go, fine, (laughs) I may be a 9.3, but at least I'm not a 5 like you are. Yikes! (laughs) (laughs) And then as a C student, I thought, yeah, that's actually about right. So (laughs) we had no idea that what was going on is called the reactive cycle. At least we call it that now. And it's simply your buttons get pushed, your heart shuts down and Mm -hmm. you react. And that creates a cycle you spin around and around and around. And so Erin and I want to make this super practical for you. So we invite you to go to reactive cycle.com. We'll put Mm -hmm. the link in our show notes and you and your spouse can actually take this. It's Mm -hmm. just a quick little assessment. It's free. You can take this. It'll give you a clear image, an actual picture of how your buttons and reactions, their buttons and reactions, how that just plays out. You'll see it. That was so good when we first time, you know, years and years and years ago, wrote out this reactive cycle and we actually saw what we did on paper and it mm-hmm. just normalized it going, that that's, that's what we it. do every time. Yeah. And yeah. so we'll, we'll talk about how you break out of that, something we call the care cycle on a different um, episode. But for now, boy, take that, mm-hmm. get that image and begin that conversation. Is this what really goes on when we experience conflict. Well, now we're going to move on to our weekly Q&A, and this is the part of the show where we answer your burning questions about marriage. 
Please send us your questions. You can click the link in the show notes or go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. And if it gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance for free as our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Well, today's question comes from Carrie. So let's listen to the voicemail that she sent in. Hi, we've been married over 30 years and historically we avoid conflict. I feel very disconnected from my husband and suggested counseling, um, but it didn't go over very well. When we disagree, he gets angry and then I get hurt. And if you throw in his unresolved grief following his mom's death and my chronic health issues, as well as the chronic health issues of my 19-year-old son, it becomes the perfect storm. My husband doesn't like addressing issues, and I can't keep it all in anymore. It's led to a lot of anxiety and resentment in me. He thinks we're fine, but I'm unhappy. I'm seeing a counselor regularly, which has helped, but I don't really enjoy spending time with my husband anymore and feel very guilty about that. What would you suggest? Thanks. Carrie, thanks so much for calling in and being vulnerable with a situation that sounds like it's really, really tough and that you are doing your best to really take care of you. You're going to counseling and sounds like that's helping you. But the frustration then becomes of how do I really reach my husband amidst him believing everything is fine when you're saying it really isn't. And so what we want to encourage you to do first and foremost is talk about the pattern. You kind of describe it in here that when you disagree, he gets angry and then you get hurt. And so it makes me wonder, like when you get hurt, do you withdraw? Do you stonewall? Do you shut down? What does it look like? Kind of, you know, understanding the pattern that Greg and I were talking about in the previous segment. You know, what this is... Would, when you say the, the hers then or theirs maybe is more of a fight withdrawer. Yeah, right? so a pursue withdrawer pattern. Okay. And so, yeah, understanding what's really happening. Take, take that reactive cycle assessment, even if it's only your side of the equation, because then you can see what am I doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? You can always invite your husband in and it would be awesome if he would take it as well, because then you would understand for him, you maybe present it in that way, like, hey, I really want to understand what this cycle is that we get into when we disagree. But specifically, I want to understand me, but I really want to understand what happens for you as well. Would you be willing to do this for me? Because it, it then, Erin, when you say that, it, it really boils down to what what is it that I can do differently? Mm-hmm. I, I can't control you Correct. in the same way that Carrie can't control her husband right. as much as she would love him to maybe not get angry or mm-hmm. not react mm-hmm. in the way that he is. It, it still, I mean, there, there's no power there. I, mm-hmm. I can't do that. So the power comes from going, what can I control? Mm-hmm. And then let me focus on that. Mm-hmm. And so maybe instead of withdrawing, mm-hmm. what, what would be maybe another option for her to do instead of withdrawing? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say call a timeout, step away and really gain insight into what's happening inside of her, simmering it down. Because, of course, as we head into fight or flight, everything gets triggered and so much is happening and the adrenaline inside is flowing because we're in fight or flight. 
So simmer it down, step away, simmer it down so you can think clearly. And then you can go back and go, okay, so there was that pattern and I typically withdraw, but I'm going to try something different because I want to connect with you. I want to understand what's really happening here. And she can utilize her voice. Carrie, you can utilize your voice because God gave you a voice. And letting your husband know what you really want, you don't want disconnection, and you don't want to camp out in the cycle. Gosh, I really want to figure this out with you, and I want to feel connected to you. Yeah, and in part of using your voice, Carrie, is to set boundaries. Boundaries are put in place not as a selfish thing, but actually a healthy, God-honoring boundary is put in place to keep your heart open. And as your husband gets angry, that has to feel unsafe to you, mm-hmm. and you shut down. And of course, it makes sense that you're that you're withdrawing and that you don't want to spend time with him. I mean, all that happens when our heart is closed and we don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. In in one of the healthiest things, the most loving things, Carrie, that you can do is to to start setting boundaries. And again, you can't control how he receives your boundary or what Mm -hmm. he does, but still the healthy thing would be to say something like, I love you, but I'm unwilling to have a conversation in this way. Mm -hmm. It's not okay for you to express your feelings at my expense Mm -hmm. or whatever words that you would use there to say that that I'm not willing to do this and I'm not going to do this kind of demon dialogue, as Mm -hmm. some people call it. And I'm going to step away and take care of me. I'll check in with you in a little bit. But if there is a pattern of this over and over again, that's where I would say, I'm not willing to do it like this anymore. Yep. And we have to go in and get help. Yep. I'm not willing to do it like this anymore. And even, you know, with your individual counselor, if she's willing to have him come in and just help you express that to him and then send you off to marriage counseling would be super helpful. But sometimes a spouse is unwilling. So I say, keep working on you. Keep becoming aware of what is happening inside of you, how you're reacting, but also setting the boundaries of this is not acceptable for you to scream, yell, get angry, whatever it is at me, and I'm going to step away. And you, you set the boundary of if this continues to happen, I will go for a drive. I'll come back, but I'm going to go for a drive because I'm not willing to be yelled at. Yeah. That is not okay. Because you're protecting your heart and God has given you that responsibility, your heart, your responsibility. And you're saying, I don't want to have my heart continue to be closed because Mm -hmm. you even talked about how you said, I don't really enjoy spending time with him anymore. and, And I feel guilty about that. And, and Carrie, we just really encourage you to recognize what's going on. When you don't feel safe, mm-hmm. your heart shuts down, you don't want to spend time with the other person. Don't feel guilty about that. Recognize, I'm not feeling safe here. Of course, my heart is shut down because I'm protecting my heart. And therefore, boy, we need to do something differently. And so again, you can't control him. You can begin, Carrie, to, to, to figure out, what is it that I need inside my marriage for me to feel safe so that my heart opens and that I do enjoy then spending time with my husband? And so give him that sort of feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, I love you. I'm not willing to do conflict the way we've been doing it. 
I've noticed that my heart has really shut down because I'm not feeling safe. Mm-hmm. As anger happens, that doesn't feel safe. I would love to do this differently. I mm-hmm. want my heart back open to you. I want to feel safe. And the way that I will feel safe is if we go in and talk to a counselor and, and let's figure this out because I love you so much. And mm-hmm. I want both of our hearts mm-hmm. to be open. I want that connection. And Carrie, call Focus on the Family. Mm-hmm. 800-A-FAMILY. We'll put the link in our show notes. You can talk to one of our licensed Christian counselors and get some advice, get some perspective. They'll help you find a good Christian counselor in your area. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks to you, Carrie, for your question. And look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and have any questions for us, contact us. Click the link in the show notes to leave us a voicemail. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. Understanding your conflict pattern can help you and your spouse communicate better. And we hope that we gave you some practical tips to help you out. Yeah, be sure to like, uh, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We really want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong and satisfying marriage. We want to see you growing spiritually as individuals and together as a couple so that you can turn around and invest in another couple and help them build a thriving marriage. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk with you next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.